June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira. Confluence and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Tonight, a dose of reality as the U.S. prepares for the largest vaccination campaign in history, just as the first signs of a Thanksgiving surge begin to show. Just 24 hours after the first vaccine, the warning tonight from the British for people with severe allergies. And the FDA meets tomorrow about the Pfizer vaccine. Why tonight there's growing concern the U.S. could face a vaccine shortage. Plus, your vaccine questions answered. Our Dr. John LaPook with the top things you want to know, like how soon the shot gives you immunity. The Thanksgiving surge. Nearly two weeks after the fall holiday, the staggering signs the virus is spreading faster than ever. More than a third of Americans live in places where hospitals are running out of ICU beds. Going home. The heartwarming moment. A healthcare worker is released from the hospital after nine months battling COVID, just in time for the holidays. Historic nomination. The president-elect picks four-star General Lloyd Austin for Secretary of Defense. Why some Democrats oppose his nomination. Plus, Hunter Biden says he's under federal criminal investigation for his taxes. What we're learning tonight. Will Facebook break up? Why 46 states and the federal government want the social media giant to split. Demanding justice. Police shot and killed a young black man on his own doorstep. Tonight, we speak to the family of Casey Goodson. And our series, Profiles in Service. From West Point cadets to Rhodes Scholars, who they credit for their success. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with that breaking news because tonight the federal government is preparing to ship out nearly three million doses of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine in hopes that the shots will be given emergency approval by the FDA tomorrow. But just 24 hours after the first widespread use of the vaccine in England, tonight experts are delivering a large dose of reality. Tonight, the British government is warning people who have allergies to foods or vaccines not to take the shots after several people there who were vaccinated had adverse reactions. And back right here at home, there are growing concerns the Trump administration may not have bought enough shots to meet demand for the vaccine over the next few months. And that is putting further strain on a health care system already in crisis. Just since our broadcast last night, another 200,000 Americans have been infected with the virus. And what are the first signs of skyrocketing cases caused by Thanksgiving travel? Now, the death toll is growing, too. More than 15,000 Americans have been killed by the virus in just seven days. And with ICUs now overflowing, for one out of every three of us, the nearest hospital most likely doesn't have a bed available if we get sick. We have a lot of new reporting for you and your family, and our team is covering it all. CBS's Nikki Batiste is going to lead off our coverage tonight from New York City. Good evening, Nikki. Nora, Mount Sinai Hospital is turning this area used for flu shots into vaccine pods. They expect to be able to vaccinate about a dozen people at a time and will have optional observation areas to monitor them for severe reactions. Tonight, England's National Health Service issued an urgent warning. People with a history of severe allergies should not get the Pfizer vaccine. This comes 24 hours after two healthcare workers suffered allergic reactions after receiving the shot. We know from the uh, very extensive clinical trials that this wasn't a feature, but if we need to strengthen our advice now that we've had this experience... The head of Operation Warp Speed, Monsef Slawi, spoke to CBS News chief medical correspondent Dr. John LaPook about the allergy warning. Personally, I would go for the caution and, and avoid vaccinating people with severe allergies. The U.S. is expected to approve the Pfizer vaccine as soon as tomorrow, and the first vaccinations could begin next week. But its supply won't come close to matching the demand. Pfizer is one of two drug manufacturers seeking FDA emergency use authorization. Pfizer and Moderna say they will produce 100 million doses each, which at two doses per person would only vaccinate about 30 percent of the U.S. population. Is it possible we're going to hit a so-called vaccine cliff where we suddenly find ourselves with not enough vaccine when it comes to be about April and May? So we are working very hard to, uh, to uh, uh, prevent that. We are reordering vaccines from Moderna and from Pfizer. Tonight, CBS News has learned Johnson & Johnson expects to submit their phase three COVID vaccine trial data next month, and they will seek emergency use authorization approval in February if their vaccine is determined safe and effective. Oxford AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine, which is 70% effective, could be right behind them. So this is the area that we've currently been using for our flu vaccination pods. Dr. Susan Mashney, vice president of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, says they are hoping for enough doses in the first round to vaccinate up to 7,000 of their 44,000 healthcare workers. As the vaccine becomes available to the general public, do you expect to have people lined up outside this hospital? We do anticipate that and hope we're hopeful that instead of having uh, COVID-19 testing pods, we're going to have the vaccination pod. 
Experts say pregnant women, children under the age of 16, and transplant patients should avoid the vaccine until further research is done. U.S. officials say the federal government plans to start distributing about 3 million doses by the end of this week. Nora? It is beginning. Nikki Batiste, thank you. Tonight, the White House Coronavirus Task Force warns that the first months of COVID vaccinations won't be enough to stop the spread and that masking up and social distancing will still be crucial throughout the winter. We get more on this from CBS's Jonathan Bigliotti. Tonight, hospitals filling up, COVID cases continuing to break records, and the vaccine may be too late for too many. The White House Coronavirus Task Force now says the current supply of the vaccine will not substantially reduce viral spread, hospitalizations, or fatalities until 100 million Americans are immunized, not before late spring. Until then, they say behavior must change. 80% of U.S. counties reportedly saw even more people traveling this Thanksgiving than last year. This is what the Thanksgiving surge looks like. People are on ventilators, people dying. It doesn't end, and there is no way for healthcare workers to really decompress. And deaths sharply increasing. Over 8,000 people who were beloved members of their families are not coming back. More than a third of all Americans live near hospitals that are critically short of ICU beds. California has more than 11,000 people hospitalized and 30,000 new cases, both all-time records. COVID has also taken a disproportionate toll on Latinos due to jobs in agriculture, construction, and meatpacking. In Los Angeles, their infection rate is double that of whites. Latinos are overrepresented in essential uh, industries. And so being in these occupations, uh, we often have to go to work. Meanwhile, in Idaho, a meeting on mask mandates canceled after one health official had this to say. My 12-year-old son is home by himself right now, and there are protesters banging outside the door. Okay, I'm going to go home and make sure he's okay. And in Florida, 41-year-old Rose Felipe finally leaves the hospital, her own battle with COVID lasting nine months. And if you would have told me back then that I would come out walking with difficulty, but I'm standing and I'm not going to give up. And here in L.A. County, the number of hospitalizations jumped 300 percent in the last month. Cedar sinai is preparing to receive weekly vaccines. The county will get 84,000 initial doses, but with a population of 10 million people, it's not nearly enough. Nora? Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. Now let's bring in CBS News Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. John LaPook. And good evening, Dr. LaPook. There is so much hope around this vaccine, but we're also getting a lot of questions from viewers. And I want to start with these adverse reactions in those patients in uh, Britain. What do we know? Well, there were reported two cases of very severe allergic reactions in people who had such a history of severe allergic reaction that they were carrying EpiPens with them. Now, they use those EpiPens and they were fine. Much more common are relatively minor reactions that show that your immune system is reacting properly. So redness at the vaccine injection site, some fever, soreness, fatigue, things like that. So for most people, mild side effects. How about this question? It comes from Lori in Phoenix, who asks, how soon after getting the vaccine will it be safe to travel? We all want to get back to normal. But uh, for now, Dr. Fauci and others are stressing the importance of saying it's great. We have this vaccine. We think it's going to really help. But at the beginning, you still have to do everything else. You have to wear them face mask. You have to wash your hands, do the physical distancing. And as we learn how much protection we have, how well it's working, then we can start getting back towards normal. Maybe not too normal right away, but towards normal.
And then what about the process here in the U.S.? How will we know where to go and get it? Well, that's going to be left up mostly to the states. Uh, so the states are going to figure out how it's distributed state by state. We do have some general guidance from the CDC and others saying that up first are going to be health care providers, people in long-term skilled facilities, uh, skilled nursing facilities. And then after that, we're going to have people who are essential workers and people who are vulnerable and older. How it's actually going to roll out state by state is going to be up to local decisions. So stay tuned if you're one of those groups. Yeah, I feel like you have to educate yourself about where you are in that process and call your doctor to get guidance. Dr. LaPook, always very helpful. Thank you. Today, President-elect Biden introduced his latest pick for a senior cabinet post, nominating retired General Lloyd Austin to lead the Pentagon. And the announcement comes as Mr. Biden's son, Hunter Biden, revealed that the U.S. attorney in Delaware is investigating his taxes. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Hunter Biden's admission today that his tax affairs are under investigation comes as CBS News has learned the FBI has been looking into the younger Biden's financial records since 2018. Hunter Biden said it will be proven he acted legally and appropriately, while aides to his father said he is proud of his son, who emerged stronger after enduring vicious personal attacks by Republicans during the campaign. Meanwhile, the president-elect today introduced his choice to run the Defense Department, retired four-star Army General Lloyd Austin. He is the person we need at this moment. A West Point graduate who commanded U.S. forces in Iraq before leading Central Command, Austin would be the first African-American to run the Pentagon. More than 40 percent of our active duty forces are people of color. It's long past time that the department's leadership reflects that diversity. Austin invoked those who had come before him, the Buffalo Soldiers, Tuskegee Airmen, and his mentor, Colin Powell. As Sir Isaac Newton famously said, if I have seen a little further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. But the former general's nomination is facing resistance from some Democrats who oppose passing the civilian waiver necessary to allow a former uniformed commander like Austin to take a senior Pentagon job. Today, even the Senate's top Democrat was noncommittal. I haven't talked to my colleagues yet about that. I want to hear what they have to say. Congress has only granted the waiver twice before, most recently for President Trump's first defense chief, former Marine General James Mattis. Just as they did for Secretary Jim Mattis, I asked the Congress to grant a waiver for Secretary-designee Austin. Austin said he understands the concerns. I recognize that being a member of the president's cabinet requires a different perspective and unique responsibilities from a career in uniform. And I intend to keep this at the forefront of my mind. On that Hunter Biden investigation, CBS News has learned that law enforcement didn't actively pursue the case in the weeks leading up to November 3rd, keeping with Justice Department policy of mostly freezing politically sensitive cases leading up to Election Day. But now clearly the case is active again. Nora. Ed O'Keefe there. Thank you. Break up Facebook. That's what the Federal Trade Commission and more than 40 states are seeking in lawsuits filed today. They are accusing Facebook of buying up rivals to illegally wipe out the competition. The FTC wants the company to sell off WhatsApp and Instagram. And in response, Facebook said it was reviewing the complaints but accused the federal government of wanting a do-over years after it approved those acquisitions. Tonight, the FBI is looking into the deadly police shooting of Casey Goodson Jr. He died last Friday from multiple gunshots fired by an Ohio sheriff's deputy. Police say he had a gun, but his family said he was holding a sandwich. Here's CBS's Jeff Begays. A preliminary autopsy report revealed today 
that Casey Goodson was shot multiple times in his torso. But the coroner's office says it has not been able to determine with certainty direction and number of bullets. The 23-year-old was shot and killed just after noon on December 4th as he was returning to his home with sandwiches. My grandson just got shot. On a call with 911, you can hear his grandmother say that he'd been shot as he walked through the door. I just heard the gunshots and I would get up and he's laying in the door. In the moments before the shooting, police say Goodson was spotted by a sheriff's deputy waving a gun as he drove by. The deputy, Jason Meade, was working as part of a U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force searching for a suspect in the neighborhood. Goodson was not the target of the manhunt. We all want the truth. We all want justice. We want to know what happened. When Goodson got out of his vehicle, police say there was a verbal exchange and then the deputy opened fire. The family says he was a legal gun owner with a concealed carry permit. Police say a gun was recovered, but have been silent on where it was found. Tamela Payne is Goodson's mother. My son became a target. If that is the case, what do you think made Casey the target? Being a black man. Being a black man. Being a black man. The Department of Justice is reviewing this case to see if Goodson's civil rights were violated. The sheriff's deputy who fired the fatal shots has been placed on administrative duty pending the outcome of the investigation. Aura. Jeff Begays, thank you. Tonight, two workers are missing and three others are hospitalized after a power plant collapsed in Ohio. Officials in Manchester, about 60 miles east of Cincinnati, say workers were preparing to demolish the building when part of the roof collapsed. Rescue crews are now searching for survivors. A test flight of the SpaceX Mars rocket ended tonight in a fiery explosion. The unmanned Starship rocket lifted off for a high-altitude test over southern Texas, but it came down too fast when it returned to the launch pad, blowing up on landing. Still, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk congratulated his team, saying they got all the data that they needed. The Rhodes Scholarship is one of the most prestigious awards given to students who demonstrate character, leadership, and commitment to service. The 2021 class is among its most diverse. 21 are people of color, 17 are women. In tonight's Profiles in Service, we introduce you to the two who are cadets at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. For cadets Evan Walker and Tyrese Bender, the road to becoming Rhodes Scholars was paved with precision. What does being awarded the Rhodes Scholarship mean to you? It means a lot, Nora. I feel really grateful for the opportunity and, and really privileged to learn how I can um, you know, continue to impact those around me. Tyrese and Evan's impact is impressive by any measure. Tyrese is the Academy's deputy brigade commander, the second highest ranking cadet at West Point. Evan, as the Academy's basic training commander, led nearly 1,500 new cadets this year. She says she empowers others through mentorship. Not seeing people like you in higher places can kind of discourage you a bit. I've had um, a couple of incoming freshmen come up to me and was like, ma'am, you being a black woman and in this position, that has inspired me to know that I can make it here at West Point and do well and give back. And they're both inspiring athletes. Tyrese is captain of the Academy's track and field program, and Evan is captain of the Army's boxing team. Both born in Texas, they say leadership is in their roots. Tyrese, where did you learn your work ethic from? Definitely my mom. 
Nora. So my mom, she was a single parent who raised two children on her own. She uh, came from the Philippines, and she joined the military herself as well. Um, and so she really ingrained in me this, this idea that if you want something, you've got to go get it. What did your mom say when she found out you won? Uh, it's more so what she didn't say. She spent so much time crying. But uh, <laughs> she's, uh, it's a testament to, to who she is. She's, she really cares, and she's proud of me. Evan, where did you learn your work ethic? Uh, also from my mom. She's a school teacher in the district that I actually went to school in. Everything she told me, she's like, you don't got to be the best, but you have to do the best and do your best every time. To just have the honor to represent our families and, and our sports teams and the academy and the Army internationally, that's a, an honor. Aren't they just awesome? And we salute them and their moms for their service. Something special for tomorrow's CBS Evening News, opera legend Andrea Bocelli teaming up with his eight-year-old daughter for a healing Christmas concert. It's so good. And if that's not a reason to set your DVR so you can watch us later, I don't know what is. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Hope you have a good night. Always on the go? You can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.